Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with a red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. And I am John Lacombe. Uh, coming back off the holidays, uh, Scuzz is off again this week. Uh, we'll get him back next week, and uh, we got something fun planned for next week. I'll talk about that in just a sec. But um, yeah, we're still kind of we're we're still kind of coming out of holiday mode here, right? Scuzz is out in your neck of the woods, getting a little yep. outdoor winter fun in, um, or your old neck of the woods, should I say? Yes, yes, my my hometown. Yeah, yeah out in the out uh, in the mountains. Yeah, um, hitting, hitting the slopes. You know, good good for him. Yep. I'm and, jealous. Yeah, exactly. Ba- exactly. Based on based on the the snow we got coming out here, which is, if it were in the mountains, would be the worst skiing snow ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were all prepared for snow Mageddon, and instead we got kind of like rain ish Mageddon, <laughs> like yeah. rainy, yeah, sleet Mageddon. <clears throat> yeah, lovely. Um, but, but yeah, so anyway, yeah. yeah, we're all we're all we're getting back into the new year. Finally, we're all kind of we're starting this car up again. Um. And, and it, it's kind of interesting, like, where we are. You know, last night with the national championship game, uh, Michigan knocks off Washington uh, 34-13, a game that, while the final score wasn't really indicative of how close it was, it is kind of indicative on how much Michigan outplayed Washington. It was, it was this weird game, but, uh, you know, kind of closing the book on college football. Obviously, there's more news coming, and, you know, spring practice will be here before we even know it. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We got basketball to really dive into a uh, full bore as we get into the, the winter months, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. this national championship game of, uh, two big 10 teams, um, yeah. one who's going to play Northwestern and give or take an FCS team about three football games from now. Um, and yeah, I mean, just right off the hop, we're playing at both of these teams next year. Right. So, you know, Ouch. front, hey, front foot, we're coming. I mean, right. I mean, think of it this way. Like, imagine if we won either of those games. Why not? Right. Why not? Sure. And we can, Why not? And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of secret sauce that might play into our chances to win those games. And we'll have all the time in the world to talk about that. And, you know, part of this podcast, next podcast and on and on. But the... Yeah, I think they're. I think we came out thinking, and this is where I think should, should we toot our own horn right yeah, off the top? Yeah, we, absolutely. We we, we, need to, uh, we need to show our receipts here. Yeah, exactly. As far back as last April, <clears throat> there was a big podcast poll that I think it didn't have legs. It, ultimately, it fizzled out after like week four or something yeah, like that. Exactly, but uh, but the it, someone was attempting, and and for a little while I had it going this podcast that pulled in really a podcast representing every it was a, it was yeah. a big poll I yeah mean, it was a huge poll one, several hundred yeah several hundred at least one from every college you know d1 team plus a lot of other big ones etc and right they the very first poll was a kind of way too head way too long look ahead last april and they sent it out to all of us and asked us <clears throat> who do you you know give us your top 25 and we had Michigan number one. And I think for us, it seemed like kind of a no-brainer. Georgia was the defending champion, but we were like, I think we thought the same thing last April that we thought last night, which is Michigan's awesome on both sides of the ball. And there are mm-hmm. not that many teams that can say that. And then we found out that we were one of only like two people. Two, two people. Two pods. 
yeah. out of like Georgia had something like 64 first place votes. Michigan had two and we were one of the two. And I think the other one was like a Michigan podcast. So, you know, like obviously none of us saw Connor Stallions coming and <laughs> that. But the simple fact is Michigan's just an awesome football team this year. Like they just had it all on both sides. And I mean, the like you were saying, I mean, the score wasn't indicative of the game in in terms of how many crazy things and frankly how many just gaffes Washington made in a situation where, you know, but for their own self inflicted wounds, they could have even been more in it. But that just running ahead counter to the fact that it was just obvious Michigan was the better team, particularly Michigan's defense. It was obvious Washington hadn't faced a defense like that this season. And I mean, just kudos to to Michigan. I mean, again, it's like the controversy. Who knows what's going to happen to their national title? But the bottom line is that football team was just they deserved it. They were stacked on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, like if it does end up getting vacated after the fact, I mean, it's kind of a whatever kind of because like the game has been played and like the confetti has rained and. What 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 happens you know down the road? That's for other people to decide. That's like weird paperwork. But like, you know, thinking about where these teams are both going from here, right? Washington's coming into the Big Ten. Um, Michigan, like, they're losing a bunch. I mean, they're yeah. they're losing a lot of people, including probably Jim Harbaugh. I, I would I would imagine like. At the time we're recording, nothing has been announced. I mean, this is just the day after the national championship game. But, like, he's he's going back to the NFL, right? I mean, it feels like he'll name his price and go back to the NFL. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens there. But um, I think, right. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's not like he's going to become less controversial. It's not like he's going to. I mean, I think Pete Carroll would be the classic example, right? I mean, you you get out of town one step ahead of the law, as it were, right? And I know, like, <laughs> the Michigan Armada is, is, you know, they'll defend it to the death. But, I mean, I think at the very least he avoids some pretty obvious headaches by just returning to the pros with his head held high. But we'll see. Um, but, again, it's like the – I think Michigan was such a strong football team. And on the flip side, Washington, I mean, I, I think it's <clears> – <throat> I watched Washington play USC, who, of course, had an absolutely atrocious defense earlier this season. And the amount of terror I had coming out of that game and <laughs> being like, oh, sweet Jesus, we have to play this offense or even any piece of this offense because they did so much damage on the ground in that game. And then you watch yeah. them play Michigan and it was very much a different story. The reality of whatever we're going to face is somewhere in between those two. And then you have to factor in, right, like Michael Penix is going to be gone. Roma Dunze is going to be gone, like, and on and on, right? Um, but we know they're still going to be a really talented team, and we know that we're going to their house. But, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I we're not necessarily going to break down the, the game, you know, yard by yard. But uh, it, it was it was fun. It was a fun watch. And, like, it was close up until the very end, and you know Michigan gets that interception return uh, where you know Washington was driving, but man, Panics—he literally gave everything he could. He was like you watched him walking off the field, just as banged up and battered as he had been, because he he hadn't gotten hit like that in a long time. It it was you know it's it's funny I think for us I mean in addition to the fact that Penix is just you know 
one of the very best players in the country this year, a star. Who knows, Sammy may be wearing, you know, Denver Broncos colors next year. We'll see. Who we'll knows? See. Who's, we'll see. Who's to say? Um, but he's someone who I think for, I think Big Ten fans, but even Northwestern fans, feel a little bit of kinship with him because of the whole Indiana thing, because of the fact that Indiana was sort of our kindred spirit back in the COVID season. And he was Mm -hmm. the architect of so much of that. And then just battered injuries for so much and then made the transfer to Washington and going everything. But right, knowing his injury history, knowing what he's been through, seeing him banged up like that at the end of the game, like you don't want to see that because it's like you, this is a guy who just, you just want him to finally be able to put the injuries behind him. And get to the pros and be able to perform the way that he performed in college. But, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, it. I, I was thinking of that because I think in a little bit we're going to get to kind of the, you know, the, the historical portion of the discussion tonight. And you get thinking about this kind of era that we're in, right? And I think Michael Penix is a guy who kind of perfectly sums that up, right? Like this is a guy who – I was just reading a big article, <clears throat> I think, in the Wall Street Journal before the game talking about that he is someone who – has benefited from this situation that no one could have projected, right? Like even in 2020 when it's COVID going on, he's not going to know, yeah, oh, there's going to be, A, you're going to be able to get an extra year of eligibility and there's going to be this whole new atmosphere where you can get paid and switch between teams without, you know, and he is, you know, if anything, almost like a bellwether of this entire 2020 to 2023, 2024 era. So, I mean, I, you know, I would have loved to see him end that all with a national title, but hopefully he's got some pro ball ahead of him. I, I'm sure he does. Like he, he will go in the first round. I think you know his performance against Texas, if if nothing else, I mean, will show. I mean, he, someone's going to take you know someone will draft him. He's not going to be one of the top three. I, I think that that's pretty clear. But you know, it, there's a really good chance either he or Bo Nix will be the fourth quarterback off the board in what will probably end up being a five-quarterback first round uh, in the draft, which um, we haven't finalized yet, but, you know, keep in the back of your head, end of April, uh, for the annual live the live show. Just kind of... The, the annual unhinged draft show. Exactly. I know you all mark exactly. your calendars just waiting for that to come. But, Sam, I feel like we've beaten around the bush too long about who the real winner was last night, who the true... Who the true winner coming out of last night's game was. And, and, and uh, who would that be? <laughs> his name is Sam Walter. <laughs> so go, take your victory lap, my friend. Take your victory lap. In the Westlot Pirates uh, Bowl Mania Challenge, um, great group. Uh, 53 people joined. It was awesome. Um, going into the final game, uh, I was tied with your daughter. Yes. Yeah. And you, so way to way to beat a nine year old girl, Sam. I hope you feel real proud of yourself. Look, I, I, I beat a seven year old girl, too. I mean, my daughter <laughs> was in there as well. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what her picking was, but she did. I mean, 24 and 19 for my seven year old. And, you know, she did. She did great. But, uh, you know, your daughter, as yeah, always, Sam. picks based on based on animals. Yep. So for all of you who put any modicum of thought into your picks whatsoever that was a waste of your time a child who picked based on animals finished in the 99.3 percentile and lost only to sam in in this thing it's like it truly is a crapshoot and shouts to and i hope i'm pronouncing this right trent piwawarczyk who finished tied with my daughter for second place and is the 
the highest, the high finisher outside of the immediate WLP family. Yeah, I mean, only but, because Huskies are cuter than Wolverines, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was it. Ultimately, you won because my daughter thinks Huskies are very cute. But you I mean, know, she's not wrong. No, she's not. Um, but again, yeah, you went thirty and thirteen, Sam. That's pretty incredible. It's it's ridiculous. Like I, I don't even know how how that came together. But hey, it's the first time I've ever won one of these, and I, I'm I'm just happy to be here, right? Sure. I mean, look, look, we're calling Michigan last April. Sam's putting up thirty and thirteen. Like we can lose, is what we're saying. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is one of these big pride cometh moments. You know, yeah. There's no, like, it, it's all going downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, everyone's but everyone's listening, being like, yeah, John, tell us, tell us about your boo booey takes from the other night. <laughs> well, well let, let let's you know push pause on that for just a sec. I I do want to you alluded to it earlier. Uh, let's get to our um our Lake the Post segment brought to you by Teamworks Media here, uh, where we're going to take a kind of a historical look at the 2023 college football season. Um, and it, it's this weird kind of turning point, if you will, I think in just the landscape of college football. Um, you know, you've, you've got, you know, you, you mentioned kind of the, the COVID year in 2020 and how like that extra year of eligibility and, the advent of NIL and and so much is changing. And this is sort of the last year before it really all changes. Um, You know, this is the last year of the 14 playoff. This is the last year of the PAC 12 as we know it. Um, You know, next year we're going to this 18 team behemoth of a big 10. We're going to uh, 16 team sec, like 18 team big 12. Like we're, we're in the super conference era and you know, it, it going to a 12 team playoff. So, so much is changing going into next year that like, you could kind of say that this is sort of like the, like this is, this is the, the turning point. This is the pivot point. Yeah. Or and, like a, you know, or like put, a put this place, put the season in. Yeah. Put the season in context. Right. I mean, it's really strange. I was, it's funny. I was thinking back, there was, there was a rumor online last night during the national championship game that a trailer for NCAA football 24 was going to be dropping. And somehow without really any foundation for all at all, that really picked up. And then a ton of people probably from our generation were really mad when that trailer didn't drop, but it had me thinking about video games and this, this won't mean much to the younger listeners, but do you remember that era when it was like between when PlayStation and and Xbox got settled and like the end of the Genesis when there was like, remember like 3DO or like Sega Saturn or all these sure, like sure. just this weird moment where there are all these things that were like, is this going to be the next thing? Nope. Is this going to be the next thing? And just and now we all look back as like, yeah, there was this weird gray area no one talks about right now between like Genesis Super Nintendo and PlayStation Xbox. It feels like this is like that. Where it's really strange, where it's like, for example, Michigan, if they ever, you know, get sanctions or, or you know, it's theoretically possible they could have this title stripped for the whole cheating thing. Well, that cheating thing is based around a loophole that could be cl- closed as soon as next season, right? Everyone's already talking about why the hell does the NFL have radios and the headsets and college football still using these stupid signs and pictures on the sideline, Right. And then, like, in our bowl game, they used it, seemed to work great. 
we're going to look back. It could be as soon as next year, and if not that, the year after, and be like, how are yeah, we? How are we ever sure. right? Not putting radios in the headsets, right? How was a team able to gain a competitive advantage based on this stupid arcane thing that has long since been eliminated at the pro level, right? It's that kind of thing, and at the same time, like Sam was saying, like the Pac-12 is not going to exist next year. You're going to have this giant Big Ten, and who knows? Maybe. Maybe there are more deck chairs still to move, but maybe we finally I mean, the, the the whole Florida State thing, right? Is right. FSU, Clemson, you know, they could be bolting. The ACC could be on thin ground, you know. But we're we're taking one step closer to whatever this final iteration is going to be, right? Even if it's just like two or three super conferences, hopefully locks into place for a long period of time, and then we're going to look back and be like, oh yeah, there was this weird thing, and then of course, right the 12-team playoff next year, which is probably going to get expanded to 16 teams, right? And then we're going to be like, oh, yeah, remember that weird year where Florida State didn't get in and there was this controversy? How stupid was it that they weren't already on an expanded playoff by that point, right? It's all these little Mm -hmm. things where it's like it feels like this is this, right, a transition year. It's like a rest stop on our way from one place to another place. And what we were talking about, and here's like the Northwestern angle is like, and then in the face of that, you have, not for us, <laughs> not for us. This wasn't no rest stop year for us. This was a special but it season. But was, it was a transition. Oh, right. Oh, for sure. This, I mean, terrifying and whole, you know, horrific set of circumstances we're all familiar with. Right. That led to this transition, new coaches, and that transition still continuing. We'll talk about that in a second. And, of course, like the stadium and everything. So, right. No, you're absolutely right. Because like in a couple of years, we're going to be in, in the new Ryan field and be like, oh, yeah, this was this weird transition period that we were in that we had to navigate and et cetera. And, and you know, spend all that time in the Evanston City Council. <laughs> right. Shouts to David Gold. Shout, shouts to David Gold. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, right. How crazy was all of that? But at the same time, this was... No Northwestern fans rest stop to anywhere. This season was friggin' incredible. We were talking about today, the final AP poll came out. Northwestern got two points in the AP poll. Now, those two points are based on one journalist voting us 24th in the poll, which earns two. Some some guy from Seattle. Yeah, someone from Seattle earns us two points. I mean, maybe he's just trying to cover his bases karmically for when we're out there next year. Who knows? Um, (laughs) But... The bottom line is that's two points we scored in the final AP poll and people thought we were going to win two games this year. I mean, that's the kind of season this was, right? So it's just wild because, right, it's like there. this is going to be viewed by college football as a whole as this weird placeholder year on our way to another destination. And it's not going to feel like that for us. For Northwestern fans, we'll remember the 2023 season forever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, um, this Like the Post segment brought to you by Teamworks Media. Uh, if you're looking to enhance your company's brand story, uh, give Jay Sharman a call at 312-446-9435 or shoot him an email, j at teamworksmedia.com. Um, you know, he's been a, such a great partner throughout the years, and uh, we definitely appreciate his his support uh, for for our podcast and uh, if you're looking to you know, work your brand's magic, he's definitely the guy to help. Um, you know, think about 
Think about the Game of Thrones style uh, commercial, right? The Big Ten commercial that starts at the Rose Bowl and travels throughout the country. Now, of course, next year we're going to get the it'll have to like split off to the Northwest, um, you know, kind of in the going to Bravos style of, of the actual Game of Thrones. But like Jay's company put that together. Right. Right. That, 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 that's his work. So as cool as that has been, think of what else uh, Jay would be able to come up with. So yeah, definitely give him a shout. Um, and, and again, we appreciate him and we appreciate his support. But as long as you brought it up, I'd be remiss not to mention that with this expanded Big Ten, that led to some talk of people running that commercial and being like, oh, they're really going to have to extra Game of Thronesify that commercial now that these new teams are coming in. And we just, friend of the pod, Tom McGrath, actually cut that promo to the Game of Thrones yeah. music. <laughs> and then they showed it on the Jumbotron at Northwestern during a football game. Um, so, you know, we're just saying Tom's available. If you're actually looking to, to to once again bring that idea to life, we we know all the people involved is what we're saying. For sure. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! So, we close the book on the 2023 uh, college football season as we start to look ahead to 2024. And, you know, Things are sort of coming together as far as like the coaching changes. Um, you know, we heard, uh, you know, we definitely heard some grumblings from Sean McDonough at the tail end of the bowl game. You know, the massive news dump that Tim McGarrickle is going to be the defensive coordinator and, you know, all the other changes are coming. Five changes in all. Uh, but Jakey and gone. It's like, okay. Th- thanks, Sean McDonough, for, you know, just yeah, that pulling, was- you know, Coming up with that news dump. That, appreciate what was that. weird is, is him sitting on it for the entire game and then, right, like dumping all that information on us. But, right, right. And then, I mean, it's funny. You mentioned close the book on the season. And it's like, you're right. But at the same time, Northwestern football is in a crazy exciting place right now with all the things going. And it very much thinks this is very much an ongoing situation, even by the day right now. Yeah. So, you know, at the time we're recording, nothing official has been announced. But, um, you know, it... it Sure, seem like all the there's been a lot of reporting out there. Uh, Tim McGarrigle will be the new defensive coordinator, and you know that that's really exciting. But then the name that we've been hearing, um, you know, we, I think we first heard uh, this name like maybe a week, week and a half ago. I, I just and... want to say right here, Sam, for posterity, that this is the first sure. time every Northwestern fan is going to hear you pronounce this name correctly. And, but it's not going to be the last time. But for a lot of you, this will be the first time you hear this name. Yeah. So, you know, we, we heard, we heard some rumors and then it, it, you know, appears that there's fire behind the smoke. And now all indications are our new offensive coordinator is going to be Zach Lujan. uh, The, the former offensive coordinator at San Diego or San Diego, South Dakota state um, coming off is their second consecutive national championship in FCS. Uh, Zach Lujan coming, you know, seems to be coming in and like, 
he's coming in because South Dakota State has already named their new offensive coordinator. (laughs) Even though Northwestern hasn't made this announcement yet, they're announcing his replacement because he's coming. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who, and we'll talk more next week because we got, uh, you know, something real special cooking as, uh, you know, with Scuzz coming back and we got a very special guest who uh, has has done a lot of research on uh, Zach Lujan and um, definitely dive into to that some more. But, like, this is a guy who's 28 years old and has been the offensive coordinator, like I say, for the back-to-back national championships in the FCS, a dynamic offense filled with just some really, really exciting stuff. When we first heard his name, it's like, oh, this is everything we were hoping for. And like, this is exactly what we've been wishing for. I mean, everyone, I think when you talk about what people were hoping for, I think there were a lot of different ideas out there. But I think based on all of our experiences this past season, the single most common refrain you would have heard from anyone relative to an offensive coordinator is, I want David Braun, but for offense. That's what I'd like. Can we do that thing again? Just give me that but offense, and that is exactly what we are getting. Um, first of all, I mean, the Dakotas part, you know, being Braun being North Dakota State, Lujan being South Dakota State, that is hilarious in and of itself. But these are the FCS titans of the past decade between these two teams. Um, and as a point of reference, <clears throat> and maybe as an intro into the potency of the offense Lujan has been conducting up there. So Albany's quarterback, Albany's FCS program, Miami just got their quarterback through the portal. So Miami of Florida's starting quarterback next year, maybe Albany's starting quarterback from last year. And like, this is a guy who who lit it up. Right. Oh, he lit it up. I I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. Right. I think he led the FCS in passing this past year. But his yeah. last game of his season for Albany was in the FCS semifinals against South Dakota State and Zach Lujan, where he lost 59 to nothing. That is the offense Zach Lujan was directing. Um, and with a quarterback who we will talk about probably in a little bit. Um, um, but Lujan is, I mean, he is just... Everything you think about with Braun where you're like, oh man, the just the youthful energy and genius that you see with Braun week in and week out, if you're looking for a facsimile of that, I mean again, there are no absolutes in anything, but it sure as hell looks like Luhan is that guy. I mean, there was a video circulating of him um from I think filmed in December just talking through um in a real kind of inside baseball, inside football kind of way various pieces of his offense and his approach and things like that. And it's like seven and a half minutes where you just watch and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, oh my God. You're like, like this guy's the, like a, the way yeah. he's the way he's like talking about his philosophy and like, you know, motion and confusion, but also putting like, and this is something that I've just wanted forever. You build an offense to make your players succeed. You build it to get the most out of your guys. You don't like try to force your guys into your system. You you know, you try to put your players in the chance to succeed. And that's what he that's what he goes by. And I absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah, watching him just kind of off the cuff walk you through his philosophy on like 
I mean, again, like, uh, you know, we put the video up online and we can, we can re we can repost it, you know, after we put this pod up, but he's just right. Like Sam's saying, he talks about this push and pull with confusing the defense and running different sets, but circling everything back to what's the easiest to execute for his offense. And this like sliding scale of like, okay, what's the maximum confusion I can bring to the defense while producing the minimum amount of confusion for offense. And like, how do we be so complex, but very workable at the same time. And then there was this whole other section of the video where he's just talking about like thought like, like literally like coaching thought on a week to week basis and being like, I, here are the steps I take to avoid groupthink. I want yeah. everyone on my, everyone working with me to offer original thought on a week to week basis. And here are the steps I take to ensure that they do that and that they have to do that. And it's like, you're like, I mean, again, there's no absolutes, but this guy looks like, I mean, this is one of those guys who looks like where the sport is going. And I think way back to Kevin Wilson, right? Where we had a guy like that where you're like, we have a guy who isn't where the sport is. We have a guy who's where the sport is going right now. And I don't know, it it's exciting. Yeah, and you know, hopefully we'll be hearing the official announcement sometime in the next, you know, couple of days, but uh, you know, th- this is by all you know, all reports, this is done. Yeah. Right? And this is happening. And, you know, it, this is real exciting. And, you know, you, you alluded to this earlier, you know, with a guy like Lujan coming in, uh, it, it doesn't take a <clears throat> big stretch. It doesn't take much imagination to see the possibility for someone to come with him. Yeah. Uh, Mark Gronowski. And this is the, right, you said the reigning Peyton player of the war. That's the FCS Heisman. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's been, it's very easy to argue the best FCS player over the past two years. And he's got two national titles going. This is a quarterback from Naperville played for Nequa Valley. Um, and he's part of the 2020 recruiting class, which I mean, we talked about on, on Twitter, but this was yeah. Walk, ultimate, walk, us, walk us through this real quick. I mean, the ultimate like, craziness but, of crazy recruiting classes. Cause in 2020 Northwestern, that was the Aiden Atkinson year for all of you who remember, yeah who was the big-time quarterback out of Colorado. I think Boulder, actually. Boulder, yeah. yeah. And then he was arrested. Um, and when he was arrested, um, Northwestern pulled his offer. And then that offer subsequently, kind of in a really short amount of time, became Carl Richardson's spot. Um, and we all know, I mean, Carl Richardson is now not with the program. He is playing Division Three football up in Wisconsin. Um, and – but – Suffice to say, I mean, we talked about it. I mean, the curveball is in the four recruiting classes since that point. One of those recruiting classes was Brendan Sullivan, but the other three have all been um, Illinois high school quarterbacks. And if in 2020 we had gone with an Illinois high school quarterback, that quarterback could have been Mark Gronowski, which again is one of those great sliding doors moments. Well, potentially now. As again, it's you don't have to work too hard to see a situation where he follows his offensive coordinator to Northwestern and plays one year of Big Ten football and tries to use that as like one final stamp on this amazing college career. Um, and one thing I want to bring up too, while we're talking about this, because I think any Northwestern fan would absolutely be over the moon for this possibility, I in no way want that to be perceived as a slight against Brendan Sullivan because Brendan Sullivan, again, like. We're all, I, I can't stress enough, 
Brendan Sullivan operating in a Zach Luhan offense sounds unbelievably exciting to me. <laughs> like, I can't, like, for the love of God, like, we play Maryland next year. Can you imagine how Maryland would feel watching Brendan Sullivan, mm. who's lit them on fire two years in a row, <laughs> going up against them with Zach Luhan as his offensive coordinator? I mean, it's unbelievable. But I think we all need to be very aware of the fact that, like, one quarterback's probably not going wire to wire. It just is what it is, and we're all, I think, very familiar with that. Like, we'd love that to be true, but you need a strong quarterback room, and pulling a guy in like that is only going to greatly strengthen the strength of the quarterback room. So, again, we'll see what happens. Yeah, let's be very clear. This is all. This is speculation. This is speculation. Like, it just makes yeah, a like, ton of sense, but it's all speculation. A ton of sense. Yeah. Um, but, and again, like, this is not – that's just – gravy a massive bowl of gravy if something like that happens because like i'm telling you like whether it be i mean whether it be sullivan whether it be jack lausch whether it be whoever like the possibilities that zach luhan are, is going to open up for this offense i think are going to be really exciting so yeah i mean so that it seems to be what's happening on the offensive side uh, on the defensive side like we mentioned it, it you know all indications are it's tim mcgarrigal's job and you know how can you not be excited about oh, this? Oh, absolutely. And and again, I know there are some people who are like, I would love a seasoned defensive coordinator, someone who's had experience in the job. But I think there are a couple really important ways to look at this. One, obviously, there's the Northwestern connection, right? And obviously, it means so much on the defensive side of the ball to have this tie to just Northwestern, like a Northwestern player, a North guy who's been a Northwestern linebacker who's blossomed into a phenomenal linebacker coach at Northwestern and having that, you know, that, that piece remaining in a situation where there is so much other flux, but framing it that way also sells McGarrigal short. I think we all want coaching. And I mean, this is something we've talked about ad nauseum and like, we've had people like Kalen Kaleron, for example, who has literally like one of the authoritative sources on this at the pro level, but the idea that a lot of times coaching is not a meritocracy, right? And that there are things that go on where like, whether it be nepotism, et cetera, at the pro or the college level where you don't get kind of the, a meritocracy going. Well, what's more of a meritocracy than a position coach who has absolutely crushed his job? getting promoted one level up the ladder, right? Tim McGurigal has absolutely earned this. Like you can't really do, like we're talking, he's generated five Big Ten, five all Big Ten linebackers in a four-year span at Northwestern, right? Like you can't do the position job better than that. And that should earn someone a shot at a higher level if they want it. And he does, and he's earned it. So, I mean, I, I love it. Like this is how it's supposed to work. And now we have this exciting mix of, right, these young coaches. And on one hand, you've got two really established FCS just geniuses coming in. And then a guy at the FBS level who was a great FBS football player and now has totally earned his shot as an FCS DC. It's a perfect balance. It's just all these great things to get excited about. And, you know, I, I, I know we've said this like several times. Nothing has been announced at the time we're recording, but... You know, it sure looks. I mean, this is what this is what's happening, uh, and there's still some things that we don't know. Um, you know, we don't know if Kurt Anderson is coming back. 
Uh, sure seems like he's not, um, you know, based on, you know, Josh Pree going into the portal and then en- ending up out at Michigan, um, which, you know, makes sense for him. You know, he's a Michigan guy. Uh, so a chance to play and probably get some, get some run for the reigning national champions. Good, good for him. You know, congratulations. I hate that we're going to have to see him next year, but you know, yeah, th- this is, this is transfer portal era guys. Like, it is ridiculous to hold grudges on anyone. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, like people transfer for many, many different reasons. And, you know, there's no unvalid, invalid reason to transfer. So, yeah, we, we thank, you know, everyone who's been with the Northwestern program you know, so much. And we appreciate everyone who comes to the Northwestern program. And we just want the best for, for anyone who's ever worn the purple and white. Absolutely. And I think at the, at the same time, and not, I guess not at the same time, wouldn't phrase it that way. But like you said, I mean, I, I think we're looking at the Preve thing as kind of a bellwether to the fact that Anderson is probably leaving. And right, we don't have an official stance on that. I will say, though, if he does leave, um, obviously, I, I think we're all familiar with the fact, and I think, and Preve spoke to it really well in his statement leaving, that Kurt Anderson is a beloved coach and a beloved figure. And that includes us. Like, we loved Kurt Anderson. He's just a big, you know, like, cartoon of a guy, right? I mean, he's this big, larger-than-life personality who developed this culture and everything. And if he's moving on, like, he's going to be missed. And that, you know, of course, starts with the guys on the offensive line. At the same time, I would say that when we think about our relationships with some of the families that we have, on this team, a lot of those families are part of the offensive line group. And from everything we know, like these are families who truly, really hold the Northwestern experience dear. Like everything that is unique and special about Northwestern. So I think like they're, you know, on one hand, like if Anderson leaves, like that is going to be a big blow to a lot of this community. And at the same time, I think you're going to see you know, like it, like they're, they're, everyone is going to be seeing like, okay, so who's coming in then and who is it and who's the next step and where do we go from here, et cetera. So again, and like I said, like this is all, Sam said it already, but this is very much putting the cart before the horse because like none of this has been announced and when it happens, it's all probably going to happen in a big flurry, but, but you know, we're just reading the tea leaves as we see them. Have you ever thought about building a Westlaw Pirates-like community for your business? If so, we've got your solution. Teamworks Media, a brand marketing and content company, is here to help you tell your brand story better. Better yet, you can work directly with the founder, Jay Sharman, known on this podcast as Like the Posts. The same expertise he's brought to brands like ESPN, the Big Ten Conference, and Northwestern University are now available to you in an affordable way, directly with this Wildcat superfan. Contact Jay directly at 312 346-9435 or j at teamworksmedia.com to learn how to elevate your brand story. So uh, I think we can, like I say, put the, put the football to bed for now. Um, Obviously still a lot to, lot to go over. And, you know, next week we've got a very special guest coming on to, you know, hopefully talk about a, a brand new offensive coordinator hire. Um, but if not, then we'll have him on anyway. Uh, Matthew Shelton from Wildcat Report is, is coming on, and we're real excited to have him uh, and talk all things, you know, recruiting. And you know, he, like I said, he did a, a great profile on Lujan, uh, so we'd love to get his thoughts on that as well. Um, 
But let's talk hoops because, you know, we hadn't really talked hoops in a, in a minute, in, you know, leading into the national championship game or leading into our bowl game even. Um, we didn't really talk much. And then coming out of the bowl game, that's all we talked about. And, you know, with the holidays and everything, it's, there's been there's been some basketball played. And, you know, as, you know, kind of looking back a little bit, when Northwestern was also out in the desert while football was in Vegas, basketball was just down the road in Phoenix uh, to take on Arizona State. And incredible win. Uh, 65-46. I mean, a, a defensive showing that we haven't seen in a hot minute. Yeah, I mean, that was um, coming no, back. Ahead, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, coming back uh, home to take on Jackson State to round out the non-conference and then starting off or restarting off conference play with a trip down to Champaign, which we all just as soon forget, um, a 30-point curb stomping. And then coming back uh, for a, a great win, over Michigan State, um, third win, third win against Michigan State in a row, which hasn't happened till, since like the '60s. Yeah, there are a lot of. I mean, it's it's funny, as you said earlier, like we're kind of catching up, and we're going to be basically trying to make this like hard pivot to hoops as much as we can with the the football coaching stuff that's going on. But yeah, I mean that Arizona State win. You know, Arizona State, it was so clear early on that Arizona State is just an absolute mess. At least they were in that game, and Northwestern. Like Northwestern did not play their best hoops in that game, and it was clear they just absolutely outclassed Arizona State. But like that's good to see, and I think that's a little bit of a theme. Is like the pieces on this Northwestern team are really, really excellent pieces, and especially when you're looking at the core. And there are going to be times you're not feeling like North. You have a bunch of different guys that just kind of carries us through, and I think I was thinking about. Because obviously the Illinois game was just a train wreck. That was a very sobering thing for a lot of us. It was a game where Illinois offensively basically just got to the rack at will. They got everything that they wanted. They scored a boatload of points. They were really 62 percent shooting from the floor, and we only shot forty one percent. So I mean, and I mean it was because they were getting to the rack and getting good looks. And and again, they're a really good team. Obviously. This is a Northwestern team that knocked off the number one team in the country. So, like, we know what our ceiling is. But there was definitely a lot of consternation coming out of that game about, like, this team has real defensive issues, especially especially against certain types of teams. And I, I think we were talking about it before the pod. It's like, it's there are times where you have to be like, yeah, well, we did lose maybe literally the best defensive basketball player in the country off of this team. And, like... I mean the the Big Ten Defensive Player right. of the Year. Um, you you can't you don't just replace the Big Ten Defensive Player right. of the Year. Right, and and again, I know that there are a lot of people who are like the issues go beyond IDs. There are certain things that teams can do to us and get to the rack in certain ways. The defensive approaches aren't working. A Luke Hunger come into the starting lineup, and I think some of that had to do with looking to try to fit this. But one of the other things about putting Hunger in the starting lineup goes to something that we talked about as far back as the Purdue game, which is like. Northwestern, like kind of the, the coolest thing about that Purdue game is Northwestern was just like what we do at the at, the, at our offensive end is going to be good enough to win this game. We're just going to beat you straight up our game versus your game. Edie's going to go off. You're going to get a million boards. He's going to have a million points, and we're still going to win doing what we do. The Michigan State game felt like that. Um, it felt like at the end of the day, Northwestern was like, look, we're just better. Like 
our five is better than your five. And yeah, Walker absolutely went off. And that's kind of like a theme. Like a lot of these teams have a guy who just tears a hole in Northwestern. But Northwestern is like, look, when we're on and the offense is clicking, we'll get enough at the defensive end. And I think that maybe that's a little sobering for a team that, you know, we're all so used to watching this team last year win with pure defense. It's a little different this year. They're trying to get the kind of balanced explosive offensive attack that they saw against Michigan State. Um, that we got against Michigan State, and they're going to try to win a lot of games that way. And I think against the mid to lower Big Ten teams, that's going to be the key for us to get a lot of the wins that we're going to need to make the tournament. I mean, you, you talk about balance. I mean, all five starters in double figures and points uh, for for the Cats against Michigan State. You know, Hunger with 10, Barry with uh, game high 22, Barnheiser 16, Langborg 12, Abu with 19, and 10 assists. I can't believe this is Boo Booey's first ever double double. Like that, that just blows my mind. I don't know. I saw on Twitter that he didn't have that good of a game, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if you're watching the Golden Globes on one screen and trying to catch up with the uh, with the game on another, oh, like, I don't know. That was the thing. It was it was a the the family wanted Golden Globes at at uh, the Lacombe household. And we had a daughter getting ready to go back to school, and it was chaos. And I have the game on my laptop. I'm trying to keep an eye out of it and keep an eye on everything that's going on other than just, like, Northwestern's keeping Michigan State at bay and trying to process everything. And I don't – I guess somehow it was, like, every – the fact that, like Sam said, the scoring came from everywhere in this game. And Boo didn't have a particularly great shooting day, especially from three – no, I mean six of fifteen from the floor, one of six from three. And so. the announcers and the announcers were kind of talking, being like, "Yeah, he's not having his best shooting night and everything." And I was like, "And and again, I think part of it is just like wording it poorly." But the point that I was trying to make was on Twitter was like everyone had a great game and and Boo not having his best shooting night. But I, I said it as like, you know, our general didn't have his like best game, but everyone else stepped up, and everyone's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> he had nineteen and ten. It's <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Because uh, I couldn't have I couldn't have worded that any more poorly. No, I mean it's he had a phenomenal game, right? And I think that's like the thing where it's like the little piece that you miss is like so much of the reason that that the scoring did come from everywhere. Is Boo is doing such a good job of distributing. And then again, six for six at the line, he's getting to the rack, he's doing all the things that he does: attack, 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 right, and creating shots, etc. But I think in a larger in a larger sense, I think there, and 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 maybe this is maybe I'm guilty of thinking this way because of things that have happened in the past. But I think the it, it's there was such a dire situation. I mean, uh, Collins actually, like, you know, went on, like, this, like, little mini thing in, like, the post-game press conference or, like, the maybe the, the press conference the day after to journalists being like, look, like, everyone is making this, like, the, the world is caving in because of one game, et cetera. Um, and I think part of that, of course, is, like, Northwestern fans, like, Shared experience, we always talk about this, the shared experience of like Northwestern fans and the collective trauma across all sports that we've been through contributes to like a reaction after a game like that. But I think at the same time, there was this feeling that like, well, if we pull it out next game, it'll be because like the defense gets squared away and then Boo will have this Herculean performance where he dumps in like 35 and like we and it's like, no, Boo did his piece, put up a double-double and was awesome. But the whole team stepped up. And I think, again, it's like one of those things where it's like Barry Barnheiser, Langborg, and Bowie, as we've said before, are all awesome basketball players. And those guys were all on. And it's like 
if those guys are on, you better, I mean, you better pour points in. Because, like, I mean, again, like, this team put up 88, but like, we put up 88 points. That offensive showing is going to be good enough. And I know a lot of people are being like, yeah, but what about the way that a team like Illinois or any team in that class is going to be able to tear a hole in us in a level that, that Michigan State wasn't? You know, and being like, hey, well, like, Walker, what about a team where there's, like, three guys like Walker? Yeah, it's going to be an issue. And we put this crazy small lineup out there. But Northwestern's, like, they're seriously just trying to out-talent a bunch of teams. And if they get the kind of night that they got against Michigan State playing their kind of game, like, that'll be enough. And and here's the thing. So, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're, you know, you're playing such a small lineup. How are you going to deal with the other people's bigs? But I'm going to flip it. It's like, we're playing a small lineup. How are they going to handle all of our guards? Right. You know? like we talked. Yeah, if, we talked about this before, but it's like the old Jay Wright at Villanova method, right? It's like, if all my guys are awesome and they're all guards, like, right, we'll just outscore you. Exactly. Yeah, and like, will, you know, will Zach Eady get his? You know, will, you know, if you've got a seven foot four behemoth in the middle, like, e- even, you know, having... Yeah, we got 15 fouls to give, right? <laughs> with with our three bigs. Right. And we, we gave them all against Edie. And, and that's going to happen. Like, Zach Edie's going to put up points. Zach Edie puts up points on everybody. You know, th- th- this is not like something, you know, some new fangled thing. Like, oh, you know, Zach Edie emerging against Northwestern because they're a small lineup. No, he does that against everyone. So if we're in a position to dictate the flow of play, and, you know, if we can, you know, do that, if we're able to, you know, distribute the ball around and, like, get scoring from everywhere and, you know, you know, have 22 assists to only five turnovers, you know, that that's huge. And that goes a really, really long way. And, you know, we're going to we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I think one of the other things that I would say, too, <clears throat> because so many people focused on it, I think in a lot of ways to the extent that there is a single offensive pivot player on this team, it's Ty Berry. And I think a lot of people were talking about this because of, of course, Berry just lit it on fire in this game. He was so good. But I think, I I feel like there was a stat that someone cited that when Berry reaches a certain point threshold, like Northwestern does really well. And I think Berry's one of those guys where, he, you know, he hit four threes, and that's where a ton of his points came from. And Barry's a guy who takes a bunch of jumpers and he takes a bunch of outside shots. And when he's hitting, that's a huge difference because one of the the big things I think about Barnheiser, Bowie, and Martinelli, who had a good game coming off the bench in this game, is those guys are all really good at generating high percentage shots, right? I mean, obviously, Boo, we know how good he is at getting to the rack. We know how Barnheiser goes and bodies people. Martinelli has that classic move where he gets deep into the paint and then executes that little baby hook that he has. Like, it's kind of like a signature move of his. Um, And those are all, I mean, so that's a lot of guards, but that's a lot of guards getting you high percentage shots. Langborg, of course, is a shooter shooter. And I think he's always going to give you a certain level of performance from the outside. So when you have all of that, and then you get a night like this from Barry pouring in points from outside, like, it's going to be really hard for any team to stay with that. Yeah. So as we move forward, um, we've got uh, a game at Penn State on on Wednesday evening, uh, early evening, five thirty Central tip. Uh, then we're at Wisconsin. Um, you know, it, it, Wisconsin's ranked number fifteen. They are currently 
11 and three undefeated in conference play. And, you know, the Cole center is, is a tough place to go in and win. Uh, but we, we will see what happens there. Then we're home against Maryland at Nebraska. We get Illinois again, um, Ohio state. And then we finish up January with a trip to Purdue. So, uh, you know, a, a nice way to send us into February, but, uh, that, that, that's the rest of our schedule for the month. There's definitely win. I mean, there's plenty of winnable games here. Sure. You know, Penn State's a 500 team, although Penn State has given us fits for years. Um, you know, I just talked about Wisconsin, you know, Maryland, they're, they're nine and six. They're one and three in the conference so far. So, yeah, I mean, like a two game road trip, um, again, is not the greatest, um, but Northwestern is looking for its first road Big Ten win. And like that would be either, you know, Penn State would be a great place to get that start. One thing that's worth mentioning, because we didn't bring it up last time, it was really apparent how much of an effect the wild side had in the Michigan State game. Um, And it's one of those things where it's like, it really is important to step back and be like, that's the biggest advantage at home that any Northwestern basketball teams ever had yet to lose a game at home when the wild side is there, when the students are in session and the wild side is yet to lose a game. And that's not an accident. And in a game like this, when you take a team like Michigan state, that's working some stuff out and capable of playing some really sloppy basketball. And then you put them in an environment like that, they play worse and we capitalize. And those kind of things, like you look ahead to like that game on the 17th against Maryland at night, that's going to be a big game. And like those things make a difference. If you get a game where it's tight, I mean, think of the Purdue game as an example, right? The home court advantage that we have that Northwestern has never had at this level before, before last season, that really is going to play a factor. For sure. Um, And, you know, we'll, like I say, we'll be back next week uh, to talk some recruiting, uh, like I say, Matthew Shelton's coming on. Um, we'll get Scuzz back, and hopefully, we'll have some official hires to talk about. But uh, it's yeah, we'll we'll be heavy into the basketball from he- from here on out. So we're definitely excited for that. Uh, anything else to hit on before we get out of here tonight? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, something about looking at that um, AP poll that came out today. And just seeing Northwestern down at the bottom, even if it was just at the end, even if it was just with two poll points, really did mean something. You know, it was like, wow, like we didn't get ranked at the end of the season, but Northwestern actually got votes and got points. And like when it was all accounted for, and this goes to this whole historical thing we're talking about, like at the end of the day, this 2023 season where Northwestern was supposed to go two and 10, they went eight and five and got poll votes poll points in the final poll. I mean, I'm, you know, I, it's one last little thing um, to, to go with how special that season was. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I saw on Twitter uh, when, where, you know, Tom McGrath was saying his first instinct was to say, Oh, what? A, and like, wait, hang on, hang on. This season was gravy. And like, yep. the, you know, we're not, we're not getting overlooked. We're not getting, you know, besmirched. This is, this is an eight and five season. In a, in a season that we had nobody except for the people in that room thought that this was going to be a successful season. Yep. And I mean, with that said, though, aggrieved Northwestern fans are the best Northwestern That's fans. True. So never, That's lose true. That, never lose that. <laughs> never lose that fire, y'all. Never lose that fire because they ain't never going to respect us. That's true. So 
Always, always be willing to bring it. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.